Hi, Slip Angle listeners. This is Rob from Fields Auto Works and Fields Engineering. We're really excited to be supporting great content on Slip Angle, and we hope you'll find your way over to our social media pages to see some of the exciting work that we're doing. Fields Auto Works has Cardinal Coupes being delivered and Scioto Coupes in build for testing this summer, with more exciting models on the near horizon. If you're ready for supercar performance for under $70,000 or professional prototype speed for under $150,000, Stop by FieldsAutoWorks.com to see what we offer. At Fields Engineering, we have openings for major builds, arrive and drive customers, and medium to large engineering projects. We have capabilities ranging from whole composite body scratch builds to 3D scanning and printing to trackside support. We're also thrilled to be supporting regular guy racing with Colton Wade driving in GLTC and the exciting new Future Frontrunners initiative to promote women in club racing. As a Fields customer, you get the combined experience of IndyCar builders, IMSA veterans, aerospace engineers, and lifetime racers working on your next big endeavor. If that sounds like a team you're interested in working with every day, you can also contact us about our open shop positions. Find Fields Auto Works on social media and at FieldsAutoWorks.com, and find Fields Engineering on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Thanks for letting me back on my podcast. Yeah, you know, it's been a little while. I had drivers at the last several events, like multiple times, be like, did I hear that you're not doing slip angle anymore? <laughs> I, th- I think before the one that that I was on at AMP released, because I was off like, I don't know, what, six weeks? <laughs> uh, yeah, if by uh, off, you just mean like not, not on. recording, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so I, I guess there's rumors swirling that uh, that I died off the podcast or something. Well, so. I'm actually quite, uh, kind of surprised that this is still a thing because uh, both of us have been like on the uh, uh, on 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 hiatus or something. Well, so you flew out to uh, Coda and did like a ton of like good podcasts, and we were like, we have a, we have an event every twelve days for the next. Uh, foreseeable future so we just like didn't record a lot but but now we're uh, yeah. we're out of stuff so it's we got to get back on it well we also like that was the maddest thrash like march and april was hard man um i was at, i was a lot of places so do you want me yeah. to go through my through my march april early May? so like uh I think it is pretty close to being true that you and I haven't talked about anything related to slip angle and barely talked since AMP. No, we've talked, but yeah, we haven't talked a lot. We've been more texting about stuff and yeah, you got, you're deep in work world and yeah, I'm uh, I'll, I'll share, I'll share that after you tell me all the places you've been. Hmm. But a lot of places, man, I've put, um, I, I did it like a rough calculator in my in my caveman brain, and I think I've traveled like twenty two thousand miles for grid life so far this year. So that's dumb. Good grief! That's a lot. Um, so what was it? Mid March or end of February? We were at Coda. Yeah, and that was Coda, basically then, the first event of the year. Um, yeah, and then what? Like three weeks later, we were at AMP. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Coda then drove down to AMP. Uh, I took the bus down there. We picked up the Grid Life trailer dyno that uh, is now a thing that we have, which is dumb. Um, so I drove down trailerless and then drove back with the dyno on the trailer. And yeah, we found a really good deal on a trailer dyno. It's one of the low profile ones. Uh, Luke McGrew found it and then Luke McGrew fetched it and Luke McGrew fixed it. And it had like languished in a barn for 13 years or something. GLTC brought to you by Luke McGrew. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and uh, it languished in a barn forever. And then he and Eric Meadows put a bunch of work into it. And then Eric dragged it down to AMP. Because basically, like, that saved me a trip there, and I haven't had time to do anything else. Um, and he just came down hung out, which is cool, and taught me how to work the dyno. And then Luke really taught me how to work at an NCM. So now I know how to work the dyno. Uh, and uh, just in time for us to get new software where I have to relearn how to work the dyno. So... Um, so dragged that back and then what was it? Uh, five days later, I was on a flight to Willow Springs and I was in California for four days. We did, uh, we had some meetings and then we had the, the streets of Willow on Saturday and big Willow the next day. And, uh, that was a really, really good event. Like you weren't there, but, uh, yeah, I've told you a few times. Is that, that why event? it wasn't very aero? Was that why it was no, good? No, 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 no. I really, we could have used you. <laughs> um, but we were super, super skeleton crew. And, uh, but yeah, the, the vibes were uh, were way better than I thought they would be. We can talk more about that later. But um, yeah, like California's got all these little weird like track bubbles, you know, like these these groups that like, Oh, I, I only run with X or Speed Ventures or Grip Speed or whoever all the groups are. I don't even know there. Um, but they like it seemed like the the coolest, fastest, nicest people from all those groups uh, decided to come try us, and we had a really really good event. Um, got a super good response from drivers. A lot of like, man, this is the best weekend ever. You got to come back and do more. Um, so that was great. It was our first official track battle round out there, I believe. And, uh, we've had like a standalone West coast, like event out there before, but, um, we had everything but GLTC. We had, uh, HPD time attack, tons of drift. It was, it was good. So I talked, uh, so yeah. Jackie released a video from, um, big willow this week mm -hmm. and, uh, I talked with him, uh, for a few minutes and he had said that among any track that he's driven, Big Willow gives him the willies. Dude, Big Willow is gnar, 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 gnarly. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. It's really, really cool. It's a great track. Um, but you were at Streets, but not Big, or were you at Big and not Streets? Uh, we went to Streets a few years ago. Um, and then we went to Big Willow two years later just for a track day last year. Um, but, yeah, dude. Uh, Big Willow's crazy. Turn in the like turn eight. I think Jackie was at like what 147 miles an hour. It's, uh, it's flat. insane. 147 flat into turn eight. Um, and Ferris still beat him by a few seconds with a bl with like blown head gaskets shooting water all over the place, <laughs> just barely. But Jackie, Jackie got most uh, like Jackie got most of it out of that car. <laughs> but man. So yeah, this, the, uh, uh, this podcast is also you also brought to you by uh, Ricola because it's allergy season in uh, uh, Louisville. I wondered what I heard in your and, mouth. And, uh, man, it's I've, I've been on it for like two weeks. It's been rough. You no, know? well, that's not fun. Well, 
Got that cool flugelhorn or whatever the heck they had in the Ricola commercials. Yeah. Um, the, like uh, like candy. The 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 coolest uh, and also like weirdest thing that I've ever picked up off the surface of a racetrack was at Big Willow. Did I tell you about this? Uh, I think I saw a picture. Yeah. So and so so basically operating the racetrack was this was the flag crew, which is you contract the flag crew and you're like you've hired the flag crew and they're your people, right? Um, and we had worked with Christine and her, her crew. They live locally and they're pretty good. And, uh, um, and then me and John, me and John Raymond, and that was it. Like nobody else is helping us run the racetrack. So it's me and John Raymond, me and John were running grid. We were organizing cars and we were also making all the calls and doing everything except for toes. (laughs) Like we were running out and picking up parts and stuff. We had a rental Tundra, which was fast as shit, dude. Dude, I think it was a, Peter Lindbergh said it was a hybrid V6, and I was it sounded weird. It was a turbo V6 hybrid, I think, nowadays. And it felt like a 10-second car. It was really fast. Um, so I'm closest to the Tundra, and John radios me, and he goes, we have, like, a suspension component of some sizable amount on the racetrack, according to a driver. He just pulled in. And I was like, all right, um, all right, are we going to check her soon? He's like, we just check her. Chase the, chase the next car out. They're coming to you. It's a red what's it what's it. And, and so I chase this red what's a who's out uh, in the Tundra, and I rip up and around, and it's uh, – he's like, I think it's a – like they said, they said they think it's a strut, like an entire strut, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that can't be because we don't have a car out here missing a corner. <laughs> like – and we had, we had had a tow like 10 minutes earlier we had a tow of a Miata off the racetrack right and it rolled in on all it had all the all the shocks like there's not a shock missing right and i come down the hill towards turn 3 and i'm like no way no way and he's on the radio with me he's like you're probably getting pretty close to it and i'm like oh i see it <laughs> and, and dude i kid you not right on the apex of turn 3 off to the left, I think it was turn. No, it was a one, two, five, maybe. I don't remember. Uh, it was the dropping downhill left, so probably five. Uh, it's an entire Miata diff and one half of an axle, or one stub of an axle. <laughs> Jesus it looked and it looked like a McPherson strut with the coil spring on it, like at the angle that it was at. And uh, yeah, so I picked an entire Miata diff and axle off of the racetrack. So that was cool. So wait, did the car coast into the pits or it had to be towed? And then you noticed yeah, it had to it... be towed. It had to be towed. And literally the, like the safety, the race safety was like pretty new. And I think like they were like, they drove right by it. They drove like by it was, the car was two turns up because you know, the diff fell out. Um, and I think they saw they like they must not have seen it, or they must have been like, "Oh, that's that's always there." <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was it was inside the track too. It was like, you know, the rumbles were off to the left of it <laughs> on the left hand turn. So, uh, and it was in a spot that a worker couldn't see because it like it's downhill dropping and kind of a dip right there. And so yeah, you really couldn't see it. Uh, it was stupid. <laughs> so so we had that going for us. Man. And I, yeah, John's like, what is it? And I'm like, I'll, t- I'll show you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of busy. It. Yeah, he couldn't believe it um, because he's a Miata guy. And he's like, yeah, those, like, I guess the, the ears on the top of the diff on those things, they're like, they're known for cracking and failing. And like, you have a hard downshift or something, or you like miss a gear or like money shift it and it'll rip the whole diff right out of the car. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> it's freaking crazy. 
Um, and the dude came and got it too. Like he, he picked it up and he's like, Oh my gosh, you found it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah she couldn't miss it. <laughs> uh, so that was interesting. So yeah, Willow was a really good event. We rented an entire house, um, which was cool. And on Saturday night, there was a, like the family behind it was throwing the biggest rager we've ever seen. There was 150 people and there were like spotlights and lasers and stuff. It was cool. And it was like um, you and John, you were like, All right, I need to get to bed. Yeah. Well, I, I, me and, me and, uh, Time and Kevin, like, uh, watched them rage for a while. It was, they were, dig- they were getting down. It was somebody's like 55th birthday or something. Um, and then Cre- Creature, the media dude, like the big, tall, like, jacked, uh, dude who shoots camera. He's from Michigan and he like shoots and edits and stuff. He walked around the block and walked in. And this is this party creature's a big giant white guy. And this was full of like 40 to 60 year old black people. And creature walked in and instantly everybody was like, Oh, who's that guy? He looks fun. And like, he was the life of the party. <laughs> That's it was am- it was amazing. It was amazing. Man. Party was, it was fun to watch, but I was too tired to move. So we stood, there was, it was a weird house. Like it was clearly whoever owned it. They like kept their work trucks in the backyard because the entire backyard is paved because that's what you do in the desert in California, I guess. And uh, we stood in the back of like a landscaping steak truck, just like hanging out, watching everybody party and vibe. They had good music. It was fun. Like eighties, nineties hip hop. So (laughs) an interesting um, bit of trivia about timing Kevin is I can almost always depend on him to have what we uh, commonly call an ass beer. And an ass mm-hmm. beer is a beer that's unopened that resides in Kevin's back pocket during a festival. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I can, I can count on him to have an extra ass beer for me um, at AMP. He showed me his latest um, greatest bit of technology, which is a mm-hmm. fanny pack made by Igloo. And it is a tiny little cooler that he oh, wears that on his is? hip, I've seen that. and I've it seen is that. now full of beers. So if mm-hmm. you ever see Kevin with a fanny pack on, there's beer in there, and you should ask about it. So if he turns it around or on the side, it's a hip or, a, or an ass beer, but now it's a belly button beer? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an ass beer. Hey, man, whatever, man. I don't care what the location. But, but you guys, yeah, Kevin, uh, you guys like Kevin's ditched me at everywhere. AMP, and I ended up going to sleep early because I couldn't bear the like just sitting in a chair waiting on people to come back. We did ditch you. We went to... What did we do? AMP or NCM? Everything blurs together. No, it was, you're right. It was NCM, I think. Um, yeah, what did we do? I don't even remember. You went NCM, to some no. dinner. No, I didn't go to a dinner. With some people? Uh, you, didn't, you came to the Japanese steakhouse at AMP, didn't Yeah, that you? was at AMP. Yeah, you drove Patrick from Valvoline's Type R there. It was nice, yeah. Oh, no, I, yeah, at NCM, um... Chris and I left. We went to we went to we went to dinner on Friday night to yeah, it's Friday night because it was a Friday Saturday event because of Easter. Uh, we went to dinner with the dude from Import Alliance. That's um, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're talking about maybe hosting something with them soon. So which is cool. We've known Don for a long time, but like never never worked something out and. Uh, Hoping we can do something with them, which would be cool. But, Boy, um, but. There's like so much good life stuff that happens that I am not in the loop of at all. And Same, like, dude. Uh, <laughs> like people go to car shows and like stuff, and I don't even like I couldn't I tell you when any yet. of those are. 
Yeah, we. So you went to Weckfest a few years ago. We had that a few weeks ago, which was cool. Um, all right, where where were we? We were at AMP, then we were at Willow Springs, and then um, the next week I flew to Lime Rock with Trisha and Chris to do like a full planning meeting with their entire team for our Circuit Legends event, which was cool, but like it involved a two three day trip to Lime Rock. So it felt like I was at an event. And then I think it was the next week we were at NCM. That was Easter weekend, middle of April, um, which was a great event. I thought NCM was great. What did you think? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Like, I really thought AMP was great, too. Like, I, they were both I really, really good better. events. Yeah, really good events. And um, they were both virtually sold out and solid events. So. You know, I um, and this will probably not make me popular, but we're only talking to Patreon here, so... Um, I, is this a Patreon event? A yeah, Patreon this show? is a Patreon show. Um, How about we do this as a regular show and the Patreon is uh, we record on Thursday. Oh, man. We got to give these guys some love. Well, we'll give them some love. We'll give it to them on Wednesday or Thursday. All right. Um, so I just haven't been on the show in forever. This should be a regular show. It probably should be. Um, so th- I know that AMP is kind of known for its sound restriction. Uh, I spent the entire weekend at AMP up in timing and scoring, which is right next to race control. And uh, we're on the third floor of the tower, and um, the the area that AMP is located is is kind of tight, actually, and it doesn't seem like there's any anything around as far as like people or cities or whatever, but no, apparently but there, there is, are. Yeah. Um, but like, I step out of timing and scoring onto the third floor of like the balcony, mm-hmm. and I did have to appreciate for just a minute that like, race cars are loud, man. They're, They're pretty loud. Really, yeah. really loud. And then Even I was, at the, the quietest track in the country, like allowable race cars are allowed. Yeah. And so like, uh, I think that their, their limit is something like 98 and cars get black flags up over one Oh one or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. but like those cars are really loud at one Oh one. And I, I know well, that people collectively think that uh, race cars should be loud. Um, at the moment, I don't know why some racetracks don't lean harder into like, making it easier for Teslas to get on track. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a thing. Like we have a bunch of Teslas that drive with us. The problem with Teslas is like, you can do like 12 laps a day or 20 laps a day. You know what I mean? Give me that big 50 amp charging, man. Even still like a 50 amp RV charger, they'll give you like two laps in 30 or 40 minutes. It's not a lot. It's not like a Tesla supercharger. A lot of them are leaving and going to superchargers just because in 20 minutes you can get what you can get in like 12 hours off a 50 amp RV. No, yeah, I thought a that a difference. Tesla charger Huge was difference. a 50 amp. No, it's not. I don't think it is. How not a supercharger. I mean, it's probably 150 amps, but Good. or something like that. But um, like a supercharger, a Tesla supercharger station is like crazy fast. Hmm. but they're so quiet. They're like deathly quiet. So like, yeah, they're the perfect car to track at AMP. Um, but we've seen the problem with like, Oh, I get three laps and then I have to park for two hours. And like, currently that doesn't fit like race car world yet. But um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a market for a super lightweight, big battery, like medium horsepower car, like a lightweight model three, uh, like a base, which could do a few more laps, you know? Sure. But, yeah. um, but, but that's also like, you know, that's, that's future stuff. Well, um, for one lap this week, uh, I was really surprised and impressed that there was a Tesla plaid that was running in the 
Running didn't in the get top, top three. ten. I, I don't know if it was top I think three. It, I, th- it might I think have been it got me three overall. I think it got me three overall. That car was really quick. And yeah, it had some cool arrow and like it was a great looking car too. So. I don't know why we should be surprised. I mean, we had Mike DeSoul on the show a few months ago. They're, yeah, they're <laughs> proper fast. But aren't they like nine second cars? Yeah, they're they're nuts. Like they're so fast in a straight line. And um, uh, I mean, had they run the drag strip, I'm sure that it would have won that as well. So probably, probably would have been real, real solid. <laughs> so they got rained out at Heartland for the drag strip, right? Yep. And yeah. man, I really like Heartland. I do too. I was bummed that uh, they they didn't get to run the drag strip. I was curious how slow Spec Fits and Mazda Twos were, but um, yeah, it was uh, like I think one lap is like the perfect event for like a a tesla realistically like if you can figure out the superchargers and all that stuff like your gas station stop goes from eight minutes to 25 minutes but like who cares yeah i think the logistics are more difficult but like the the gps and and the map in it being able to program like take me from here to here and stop at the stations and tell me where to stop um that's pretty cool well, and also, like, I don't think anybody, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but, like, those cars drive themselves. You just have to ha- have your hand on the wheel. Yeah, like, I would I would probably not be so inclined to, like, doze. No, I'm not saying doze, but, like, you kind of halfway zombify. And, like, it's probably a lot safer than the average, like, long, long transit on a one lap. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, one uh, stint or one leg that they had this last week was... 700 at the end of the race day right that's so far that's yeah i think scott said it was scott robertson said it was like the second longest they've ever done and they've done four of them now so it was definitely one of the longer one of the longer transits but um yeah uh where were we at we were at ncm then what did we have after that that's the last thing i did last thing you did and i was in colorado with chris talking to wheel people and for two days and, and doing site visit stuff i did buy it i bought a project truck we'll talk about that in a second if you want and then we had last thursday we had taco track day may 5 which was great dude it was, it was a little it was slammer wasn't it it was the best who like like who would have thought it's possible to sell out a thursday HPDE with like four run groups of cars and have a 60 car wait list. Like what yeah, in the like, what? Ticket prices were no money. No, it was like 125 bucks. We tried to price it cheaper than anything. And also like everybody got, if they wanted it, they got five or six sessions. Like it was a busy day. Like everybody was, we had, we actually had super dry conditions. It was raining everywhere except for South Haven, Michigan. <laughs> It was dry the entire day. The last seven minutes had drizzle on it. That was it. So, um, but yeah, sold it out. Had great tacos. The Ramblers buddies made tacos. Um, some people from Haggerty came out to like look at what we do for a track day, and they're like, "What is? What are you doing? <laughs> How do you have this many people?" And we're like, "Our people are the best. They come out and hang out with us." So, right. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a really good event, and my car was amazing. Which I'd never, I never in my wildest dreams anticipated my car being solid. I am skeptical at your assessment of the performance of your car. Why? Because it's because it's been such a crap box for the last four years. Yeah, for as long as I've known you. Well, it hasn't been a crap box. It's been a hot mess. I would say it's like an it's like a nice looking hot mess. 
True. It um, is the most photographed hot trash. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's it has been um, uh, it has been a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, it's never had a great day. So, um, but it was solid, dude. It was so good. The only problem was I I caught the downpipe on the lip of the trailer, backing it in on Wednesday night. Um, and I think I bent the exhaust a little bit and then the shifter was rubbing the exhaust. So it was vibrating and it's a little hard to get to third, but that wasn't that big of a deal. So, so you, throw it up your car was, was yeah. on the dyno recently on your dyno. Yeah. On the grid life dyno on our dyno. So doing some, uh, Mikey doing some remote tuning. Yeah. I, I remoted in with him and he twiddled some keyboard keys and the car runs great. It ran really, really well. Tell um, me about that process because I don't actually like, I, I think I have the general gist of how a remote tune might work, but how does it work um, back and forth? Like what? Well, basically um, he had, he had remoted in one time last year to make it run uh, when I had put the F series in the first time, cause I can make it run, but it wouldn't run well. Uh, and so he played with some stuff with ITBs because ITBs are a bitch at idle. And so when you say remote in, is like he yeah, using yeah. the remote desktop or are you just like sending him log files back and forth? No. So he, he sends me a, a link to whatever program I had to download. I forget. It's not go to my PC. It's something like something else like uh, Team Viewer, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then I tell him the code that my computer has and then he gets in and all of a sudden my mouse starts moving like the little scroll, the, you know, the arrow starts moving around and he's clicking and opening and moving and doing stuff. Then um, I'm plugged into the car. How well does that and, work? Cause you know, you're kind of at the end of the line for the internet. Well, I was in my building. So my building's got, we have, uh, we have Verizon, like one of them pucks. So it's like a cell service and it's like almost gig. It's real fast. So, um, yeah, so we have uh, plenty of internet at my building. So, yeah, it was great. Um, and I was like deep in the parking lot, and I ended up, I think I hot spotted him in after a while because like, my dad was watching YouTube in the office and like <laughs> slowed down. So, I hot spotted him off my cell phone. You can do it right off a cell phone. It was great. Cool. And I think we made about a dozen poles, and in the middle of it, one of the ignition coils died. Like, I've been fighting coils. Coil started dying because um, I over-voltaged it like three engines ago at Midwest Festival when it was a Jackson supercharger. Um, and coils, like I've lost one coil a year since then, but Honda coils just kind of die also. It was like a five-minute fix. It's easy to do. So um, made a solid power band and like a really good power band and I made 180. So it's... Probably making a little bit too much. I probably have to add some weight, but I'm gonna bring a bunch of weight to track day picnic uh, and try to get it compliant. But it was, it ran so good, dude. It was, it was great. Intake air temps are solid. Like it's not dropping power over the course of a 15 minute session. Um, we tuned it real fat and rich, so like nothing can ever break. And it's, it's just, it's just great. It was really fun. I had a really, really good time on Thursday. So that's awesome. Uh, the brakes were great. Uh, I was on the most cashed out tires I've ever, ever been on. They were absolutely miserable. Um, but other than that, I knew, I knew those tires would suck. I was only going to, I was trying to just flog the car and make sure the car didn't suck. I didn't want to like mount tires and like heat cycle good tires when I figured the car would suck after the first session, but then it didn't suck. So we were, um, uh, prior to, uh, 
starting the recording, you and I were talking about things that we might talk about. Something that was on my list was, um, I, I told you late last week that I was in this kind of really weird spot uh, where yeah. um, I don't know necessarily that it's burn burnout, but like it's, um, I have so much attentiveness than I could, you know, offer. And uh, my job is requiring me to be very attentive. And uh, I now have a two-year-old and part of my job is making sure that she doesn't like fall down the stairs or fall off the slide or like needy little babies, dude, stuff that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so like I go to bed at nine o'clock and I wake up and I do the same thing over and over and over again. And it's, it's a little bit like routine and mundane. Um, at the same time, like it's, very, uh, my, my job is very fulfilling and I really, really enjoy the people that I work with. And so like making time to record with you at 11 o'clock on a whatever night is hard. That's hard. Yeah. It was kind of a blessing that you slayed so many podcasts at Coda because we would be in bad shape. I don't, I mean, I, I think I would have been done. Like I, there's even six months ago, I thought, and I think I talked to you or Scott Robertson or both of you like about this. And I was like, I don't know if I have anything else to talk about. (laughs) Like, I I feel like I'm talked out. And, and, and and I'm in the same boat as you. Like, like when we started the podcast, uh, I had a newborn baby and that baby is eight and a half years old now. Like it's a long time. And I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm I'm a very different person than I was back then, and grid life's a different thing, and like the podcast is a different thing, and um, I know we have a ton of listeners that have hung on the whole time, and even though we have done a mediocre job at best of like supporting our our Patreon stuff, like they a lot of them have been on that, and and uh, we got you guys by the way, we're, we got we'll try, we'll try, we'll try, or or I'll t- convince Abe to shut it down. I don't know, um, but. Like, I feel like everything has changed so drastically in the past. It's been basically eight years right now. Yeah. And so, um, like, if you're honestly, if you're like thrashing the whole time, um, at some point, you're just like straight up exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that yeah, said, yeah. and I'm not I'm not that's like teasing I've, stuff for, for Patreon, but uh, you and I have been kicking around the idea of um, a new race format. And uh, yeah. we're going to go through the rules in excruciating detail. Yeah, we've got a pretty solid, like, 50% rule set. And my goal is to have it done in four weeks. So. I think we can do it. But, like, yeah, not we, we that I think a, that anyone will find it interesting, but maybe they will. Uh, yeah. I will. More than likely, we'll just record the conversations that you and I have and release them on Patreon. So, um, basically... Um, it's a brand new style of racing that we haven't done. Uh, and it's also uh, a full rewrite of something else that we have done <laughs> potentially for the future three year plan, um, two year plan, three year plan. And I, I, I so do we've think, got a lot to talk about. I, I think it is fair. Um, and I, I'm not speaking for grid life necessarily, but even years ago, Chris and I talked about what the, what the identity of, of grid life was as, um, was an organization and like, what's our, you know, how, how do we do the things that we do? And I think Chris and I agreed at one point that, uh, what we do is we innovate relentlessly or we die. And so like 
part yeah. of what grid life is, is trying to keep things fresh so that people don't get bored. And, and to bring, yeah, like motorsports inclusivity is sort of like a thing we've been uh, saying is kind of our North Star, our goal, our mantra, whatever. And like, that's, that's like uh, hopefully bringing a lot of people that don't have a home uh, in motorsports, but like have been there or are there or, uh, or, and like don't love where they're at or like, you know, they're, they're drawn to it, but like they don't love anything out there uh like hopefully finding something a few times a year that they can do uh maybe um and realistically like one of the main things we do we've been doing the base classes have been kind of there for pushing a decade now yeah pushing a decade now and maybe it's time for a we talked about a little bit of a mix-up but like maybe it's time for like maybe it's time to like flip over the chessboard so yeah, and like it wouldn't be a, uh, it wouldn't be like a no man no. Reset. I'm not like tempering. We're gonna what get you a, just we're said. gonna get a lot of text messages about this. <laughs> It'll be fine. No, no, no like, it's 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 not a flip it over. It's a it's a rethink of potential, not potential, but it's like a rethink of like core philosophy. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, I would say that it's been fair that some of the classes have been bastardized over and over and over and over again. And I, I wouldn't think- even say bastardized. It's, it's people that have been like, Oh, this is what the rules say. This is what I'm going to do. And we've distilled down to like, Oh, so that's the best car for this or this style of car is amazing. And which is fine. We've even got great parody. Like the podium is within a third of a second at most of these events. But- that's true. Um, yeah. which is, a, which is a thing that I'm very proud of, but also like, but maybe, at, maybe we could do it differently and better at the same time. It, it's my opinion, at least in time attack, that part of, Oh, you said what it was, you naughty boy. Part of the challenge <laughs> is, uh, the, the tinkering, right? Like yeah, that's, inno- innovation that's, is that's yeah. Innovation and, so and building is most if of it. You, if you make some adjustments to the competition rule book, uh, you give everybody an opportunity to 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 do some more thinking. Yeah. And uh, instead I, of just like having uh, a a competition vehicle just sit in its current form and get refined year over year over year, it's right. uh, it's very tough for new people to break into a a class and develop uh, if the 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 rule set is very mature. I remember thinking, and I I remember saying to you and saying to Chris on separate occasions, like, time attack eats itself. Like, this is on a five-year death cycle. And this was seven years ago. Six years ago. Yeah, You know, like, um, and and it's still very strong. uh, But one of the things that we have seen that is one of our strongest things is the new classes, which we have, we didn't start from anybody's existing rule set, base, or any philosophy we like, we were like, oh, there's a there's a bunch of cars that they need a class, and I think we can make a right class. Let's make a right class, like Sunday Cup and Club TR. Yeah. Um, and I I'm really pleased to say that those two run groups are like half of our field. Yeah. Most anymore, they are very very big. Yeah, yeah it's like thirty to fifty percent of the field, which is amazing. And and I think those I think those classes are solid, and I think the rest of them can be solid too. So. Yeah, or not exist. I don't know. We'll see. Um, 
But my my intent is if we do make any adjustments, we're not going to we're not really going to displace anyone and and there won't be like a you know this car is now illegal sort of situation. Right. Right. Um, it will probably just more closely match uh, the the parity that already exists on track. And also um, celebrate historically, like long term, the efforts that went into the cars that are currently top of the heap um, by sunsetting those classes. Like, want to get those records in? Like, let's get those records in. You got twelve more months or something yep. like that. Yep. You know. Um, now that said, something uh, this Which I think is, a, is a good way to potentially make a change. So. This is a personal goal. Uh, I oh, would yeah. like it to be very obvious what uh, class each uh, current market Hang EV. Um, Hang on, you sounded like a robot for a second to me. Oh, no. What did you say? Oh, I, I want it to be very obvious what what class each particular model of EV fits into based on the rules. Yeah. Uh, because right. right now it's kind of discretionary and it does have to be that way. Cause sometimes we just don't know where they fit. Um, right. But I, I want like, I do want to be a little bit EV forward where to say like these cars, they do compete and they have a good spot. And if you bring this car and you develop it in a time attack way, it can, it can win. Yeah, like a base model three is a great street class car. It's fantastic. And and we've seen like literally perfect parity. They've almost been on the podium. They have been on the podium. Um, and uh, yeah, we had hoped to see more of like the Pikes Peak style, like EV conversion cars, like home built uh, EV West, stuff like that. Um, but those cars are probably pretty feckle and probably being only built for one thing. And that's what they run. So we haven't seen them yet. So right. uh, that's so our track battle EV hasn't been really taken up much. Um, well, and, and it was my um, uh, perception or uh, feedback that I heard from people is for the most part, uh, people don't want to run an EV class with, with limited participants. What they want to do is run the conventional class and win. Right. Yeah, they want to they want to beat the known quantities. They're really fast drivers. Yeah, so, which I totally get. And 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 if we've seen good parity somewhere, we we know where it should be. So and a lot of it comes down to tire choice too, and all wheel drive, two wheel drive, stuff like that. So now um, this is mostly just like musing. It's not actually real, but I do uh, think about uh, how many people. Um, convert dollars into uh, noise and pollution for fun mm -hmm. uh, as a consequence of going to a grid life event. And I wonder if there would be like, mm, I, I wonder if there would be any appetite for like an, an E85 specific class, just thinking about it. That's an interesting thought. I don't know how many room we have, how much room we have for classes. But. No, I just like in general. Cause I mean, I, I think about driving my giant diesel bus, um, at to an event and it's going to be like $500 in diesel. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, Jesus Christ, I don't, I don't want to do this at all. I know I've been to a few events this year. It's it actually, oof, it's real bad. It's real bad. I spent, I spent borderline a thousand bucks going to AMP. Well, and I basically spent so, my life savings on some maintenance uh, this spring. So I'm like, I hope I'm that's deflated. not actually your life savings. Ugh. 
we got a real complainy uh c-class citizens coming up oh <laughs> uh, yeah well i uh i i, I don't yeah. know that it's necessarily fair to put them on blast but carson told me what to do and i was like eh that sounds like a lot of work i'll just go local how bad can it be it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Pretty much should have done what he said, man. Yeah, yeah. Or you, or do what the typical RV owner does and just defer it Don't until do it. The, until dirtbag third owner Adam Jabe buys it, and then. So, um, Aaron uh, likened me to probably the uh, third owner of a BMW Seven Series. Oh, that sounds um, like a bad life. Yeah, and he's like, you know, you bought this expensive ass bus that was way more expensive when when it was new. Uh, you roll up to any place and people look at you like you've got a you know dollar signs coming out of your pocket and you're driving right. a piece of shit. So like, they're gonna take you for a ride. Yeah, like what was your bus new? It was like seven hundred thousand bucks. No, I think I think new mine was like between three and four. Oh, I thought it was it's like, like six a giant or sum of money. It's still like I bet you it was more than that. I don't Because mine, mine in '91 was 155. Good grief! I'll bet, and it's like a, it's a freaking tractor with a mobile home on top of it. <laughs> so. But I also think about what uh, the bus is now, and I'm not rationalizing. This is just true. The tires are new. Um, yeah. The engine has been serviced. The generator same, has been serviced. Same. The trans has had both uh, a few repair items and a PM. Um, the shocks in the front are new. The steering gearbox up front is new. And the air suspension all the way around is new. Jeez. Um, as far as like, can I drive it to Lime Rock or drive it to MJMP and will it be fine? It should probably yeah. be fine. It probably would have been fine before, but... <laughs> well, you're not like um, you're not a person inclined to do uh, preventative maintenance. So, like, I don't what are trust you talking your about. There. What are you talking? No, about? you don't. You don't do that stuff because you just fix it on the road. No, I do that stuff. You don't. I do that stuff. You don't. No, I just do the stuff. I don't do the stuff that I don't know I have to do, like put alcohol in my air tank when it's negative seven. <laughs> like <laughs> that's a learning process, and like. Nobody preventative maintenance is their throttle cable on their bus because you don't expect it to die. <laughs> so, I just own point. older. I own older shit than you. If your shit was 32 years old, you'd have problems too, man. Man. Uh, but if, my, if I was driving uh, that, shit that was 30 years old, I would never travel alone. No, man. My bus is, I, I kid you not driving it last Thursday. I was like, I bet you this thing's never going to die, but it's going to last forever. Because it's it's the biggest, it's the simplest, largest vehicle, and you, like, what could die? I don't even know. Probably nothing. Everything is so overbuilt. It's stupid. Uh, I mean, that's a good place also, to be. Um, yeah. At, at the it, same time, it, like, it is so simple. We do but. need to think about um, where we will uh, be going to events this year. Um, it's far. Because like, NJMP is far. Uh, Colorado. Lime Rock Lime is Rock. far. Colorado is far. Um, and like, I'm trying to manage my vacation schedule. So like, yeah. I don't well, know. we'll see. It's also pretty expensive to send buses. It's uh, in some, in some cases it's cheaper to hotel it or 
sleep in the rental car or rent an RV. So. Yeah, I, I suppose um, like renting travel trailers to go to, let's say, Pikes Peak makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. But yeah, everybody can't drive a thousand miles each way. Um, I've always driven to Pikes Peak because I've been like the logistics portion of a, a big portion of the logistics of the event, like moving stuff to the event. Um, my trailer's always full to the ceiling going to Pikes Peak, and it probably will be again, um, especially now that I have a trailer that is like durable. Um, but man, that's a far long drive. So, and I have to make that I have to make that drive soon because I bought a project truck in Colorado Springs. <laughs> because you're not smart. I don't know what you're talking about, Abe. I think I'm sort of I think I'm sort of on the cusp of intelligence right here, dude. This might be a brilliant idea. Check out the big brain on breath. <laughs> dude, a rust free F two fifty four door two wheel drive quad cab eight foot bed is impossible to find and i found one on gov planet auctions and I how bought many it. miles were on it i don't know it doesn't say because it doesn't have keys Good <laughs> it's got a di- it's got a digital odometer but um talking to people in the area like buddies that i have out in the colorado area they're like oh that was definitely a maintenance truck for the air force academy it probably has ten thousand miles on it. <laughs> but, but it doesn't have keys no, there's no keys. Where did the and keys go? Nobody knows, man. Someone there's no start, no keys it. on paint marker. Someone sold yeah. it, and that person probably the, doesn't have keys. No, the government sold it. Like you, you've. Do you have any idea how poorly functioning of a corporation the government is? Like they are, they are barely able to keep the lights on, and they have all the money. That's true. So some, like Jim, lost the keys, and they're like. I don't know where the keys are. Sell it Man, on. Just sell sell it to the sell it to the government auction thing. Like, what is that? Who who sells our vehicles for us? Go, oh, it's that Gov Planet guy. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it it it's like, and it, dude, my dad's ninety nine is. It looks like it's the Titanic. It looks like it's been raised from the bottom of the ocean. You know, at the frame has, if you run a chisel across the frame, like you get a sizable amount of shit that falls off of this thing. Um, and the credit to like the Ritchie brothers slash gov planet auction, they like took pictures of the frame. They took pictures of everything underneath. And this thing, this thing's never seen a highway. It's never seen a public road. It is so clean underneath and I'm so stoked. <laughs> so, um, so what do you have planned for it? Well, I've wanted to have a quad cab as like a, like I want a nicer truck. I want to like build a nicer truck. Like I want to put carpet and nice seats in it. And I want to do, I have another 5.9 come and swap up on a pallet rack. Cause when I did my first one nine years ago, like I did two of them, I bought two of them. Um, so I've got a P pump five, nine Cummins up on a pallet on my, in my building, like literally up by the ceiling of my building, 16 feet in the air, like for the last eight years. And I'm going to pull it down. I'm going to clean it up and I'm probably, going to try to figure out how to gather another five or six grand and buy all the parts and just do like the full turnkey, just bolt it in with the, with the Ford. It's called the torque shift transmission, like the five R 100 or whatever. Um, it's a really good trans and just bolt it in and have like an, a low mileage, like not rusty blue truck. So, and That'd it's quad cab. Cool. You should probably well, take just, it up to Houghton rust control and get it rust proofed. 
Dude, I'm gonna just buy all the cans of uh, of of Houghton juice and spray the can spray it all over myself. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't find myself up in Canada very often. Me but, either. Yeah, I, I buy fluid film by the case now. Ever since I found that stuff, that stuff is amazing. Fluid film or the the stable version of it, which is called like Rust Stop, um, Stable 303. Like they sell they sell some good stuff. It's basically it smells the same. It's almost got to be the same. Yeah. I, uh, I find myself progressively moving farther south. When I first got to know you, I lived in northern Michigan, and then I lived yeah. in Indianapolis, and now I live in Kentucky. And now rust is not a problem for you. Uh, I think rust might still be a problem here. Um, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. To the point where, like, Emil uh, still complains when he works on my, my vehicles. <laughs> well, your vehicles came from Chicago. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like like with this thing, I really want it to, like, there might be a day where I put a nice bathroom in a kitchenette and, like, a raisin lower Happy Jack bed in the back of my 28-foot enclosed and, like, don't have an RV and I build a trailer and I tow it around the country and get 50% better mileage. Like, I really want to have a decent truck to do that with. And yeah, this might be... Yeah, like this would be, and, and like Derek Yarbrough is like, why don't you just buy a new truck, man? And I'm like, bro, those cost $85,000. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, we're, we're like, not about that kind of money. And, and like this this kind of project, and it does make sense. Yeah, if you can find the, the truck that you want, you would get a brand new one. It does make some sense. But like, I don't think I would buy a brand new diesel because they've got all the emissions problems. They've got insane failures that you can't fix yourself. Um. And if I can, like, my current Cummins swap truck is, it's a freaking pig, and it's a tank, and it never dies, and it fires up every day, and I use it every day for the past nine years, and it gets 50% better mileage than the engine that I pulled out of it, which was an emissions-laden 6-liter, 6.0, and, like, towing two cars to VR, I got 19.9 miles per gallon. Every day, I get 14 to 15 towing a box trailer around like where I used to get 10, 11. Yeah. Like it's burning, it's burning less fuel. It's super reliable. It's easy to work on. I've got it tuned for emissions never black smokes or anything unless I'm wailing out, I get on the highway. Um, it's just easy to live with. And I want to build like a better version of that. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, this, this year I think logistically is a little bit challenging for us because we bought this bus with the uh, expectation that we would be taking it to a whole bunch of events yeah, now fuel's five thirty nine a gallon. That and like uh, Ashley's working and her schedule's like kind of awkward sometimes, and so uh, and I'm trying to manage vacation, and so it's like, well, shit, we got these like weekend events. Um, right. How do you get a bus to and from an event that's five hundred miles away uh, f- Friday night and not be there like at two in the morning, and then also get back home so that you can go to work on Monday in a reasonable time. Yeah, there's a big part of me that's like, man, maybe I just need a little pickup truck. And after the last three years, like, I mean, I think I, I don't think I could do without a shower. Like, I want a shower, I want a toilet, and if I can put that into my trailer uh, and hook up and leave in four minutes, there's some temptation there. And then I could, I don't know, just have less things with engines. Yeah. But, um, but that's also a big project. You gotta put gray water and black water and you got to put all the tanks in you gotta you gotta do it all well so that your wife wants to go camping in it yeah <laughs> so, um yeah 
the the thing that I learned at Road America last year is uh, track goes cold, and uh, there is usually about thirty to forty five minutes between when the track goes cold and when the awards is. Um, yeah. The the move is pack up everything and have the bus aired up and running and all the systems working so that as soon as the podium is over, you jump in the bus and you drive away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you were like idling next to the podium. Not, not, not at road America. That it, well, you and oh, like a bunch of people were like, everybody was like, but they like pulled up the with booth. their truck and trailers. Yeah. And, they pulled uh, up a truck and trailer and walked over to the podium. <laughs> um, the, one of the mistakes that we, um, we, we did make last year coming back from Heartland was, uh, we thought, you know, Hey, let's like, let's save the emptying the, uh, the, the black and gray water, um, just in case people need to use the restroom on the way home. Cause it was Aaron, Zoya, Ashley Sloan and me. And we were like, well, we'll just find a place to dump later. And we like drive through the night and then fucking one o'clock in the morning, we're like, Oh Jesus Christ. Now we got to find a place to dump this thing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Practically, it would have just been much easier to do it at the racetrack uh, where there is a facility and then stop and use the restroom if we need to. Yeah, that's because, that's what that's what I do nowadays because I've made that same mistake. Yeah, because I do have a it's I, much easier to find a town. restroom at one o'clock in the morning than it is a sump pump yeah. dump station. I've got a loves in town that has a dump station, but they like charge fifteen dollars now. It's like so who? flying J's, who? I think, are ten. If they have it, not all of them have it. That's true. So, and some a lot of them, of them up and down I sixty five do not have it either. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I've looked. Trust just me. Do it at the track and then get on the road as fast. And as only you can. only about two thirds of the tracks have it too. So not everybody has them. I, I'm getting pretty good at knowing where they are. I know where the one at Mid Ohio is, and I know I know where the one at Gingerman is. Yeah, they hide that one at Mid Ohio. Yeah, it's, it's like off. It's like you have to know where it it's is. It's like otherwise. out by false grid and you're driving a bus on this narrow road. And it's not labeled. <laughs> um, where? Yeah. Let's see. Not, not that everyone on Heartland, the show. Heartlands was outside the gate. Okay. And uh, Road America is uh, outside the gate too. Pikes Peak is too. It's outside the gate. And where else have we been? AMP didn't have one. NCM doesn't have one. I wish that AMP had more power. Like that would be, it seems like that should be a thing. There wasn't a lot of RV power there for sure. There was like six, uh, five or six. No, it's, we maxed that facility out the very first time we went there. So, um, I know that we kind of talked about this already. What a great place. Is, 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 was that event good enough to warrant going back? Absolutely. Yeah. Do we have a multi-year contract with them already? No, we, they want us back for sure. Um, they really, like, they were very surprised by us. Um, I don't think they knew what to expect. Um, but, yeah, we we learned a lot of things about working with them, and they were actually really, really solid track to work with. But they had never, I think we were the biggest event they had ever had to that point. Um, but they also were impressed of how, with, like, how sorted out and organized we were. Sure. Um, but yeah, we had pushing a couple hundred cars there. And I think the previous biggest event was like a 125 car NASA event, like literally two weekends before. So, um, 
but yeah, we, uh, we, we maxed it out. Everybody had a good time. Um, the vibes there were amazing. Like that was a solid event. So, so. I love, um, that if you're, if you're on the balcony or you're in the timing and scoring booth, you can, you can see a decent amount of the track, but yeah, it, is, two thirds. it is yeah. amazing how much of the track you cannot see. And it's like, a really, really that's crazy where all the track. Really cool stuff is. Did you drive it at all or no? Uh, I rode with Patrick. It's really nuts. That track is nuts. Um, it's it's super unique in like I think we said it. I think I might have said it on the the show we did with Patrick. But like an extra three hundred horsepower buys you maybe one second at AMP. Like it it almost doesn't matter. Yes, true. Yeah. Um, but. There, in, in most cases, there are. Uh, I don't remember the corner numbers very well, but the the kind of last few corners of the track, there's that kind of really long sweeping left hander. Right. Um, what I noticed is Patrick's miles per hour in the Type R coming through that corner were significantly faster than the GLTC cars, and the GLTC yeah. cars are essentially flat, and GLTC cars are not slow. Um, They're not fast though, but no. they were just straight up horsepower limited. Uh, yeah. going through that corner where the type R just like continued to accelerate. Like that's almost like that turn is almost your biggest straightaway. Pretty and close. It's not, yeah. and, it, and it's literally, it's a hundred percent a giant sweeping left-hander. That's pretty cool. Um, if you look at the weird data that we saw there, like we saw a really good parity between a crazy amount of cars because horsepower almost doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's more about grip and gearing and, and like cojones than anything like the, the track is hard. It's real, real hard, but it's also really, really fun. Even if you're doing it poorly. Well, uh, it's, it's not the same, but it, it had elements that reminded me of the summit point Shenandoah track in that it was yeah. like, it was almost a little bit autocross like where there's just like, there's so much going on and there's like lots of quick accelerations and then brakes and hard brakes and turn-ins. Yeah. And, it's like a machine gun fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think I it really, never ends. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, it was, and they were good people to work with, and and I think the track was fun enough that people would come back. So yeah, I think so. Um, um, yeah, it, it's probably from, not an event that could ever be huge because there's no parking lot room. Like, it could never probably pay for a live stream. Like, it can't. It just can't do it unless we really did a low budget, like drone style live stream, which is doable. Um, but yeah, it uh, it was good though. I really liked it. And NCM this year was uh it was a really solid event um that was maybe my favorite event like the monday after i thought wow i'm not depressed at all that was really great yeah <laughs> so it was a very good event big picture yeah so. and i mean it, i would say it was a little bit challenging because they're still struggling with facilities and like uh, yeah, tornadoes. parts of our parts of our uh infrastructure depend on like for timing and scoring to be able to see cars. Yeah, and it was, that was hard for sure. Timing and scoring was in a trailer right next to the racetrack and they've got a four foot, five foot wall right next to the racetrack that you can't see over. So. And so like for anyone who cares about timing and scoring or has at least even thought about it, um, it, it, there's a lot of timing and scoring stuff that happens uh, automatically or in an automated fashion, but the, let's call them the quality control checks. They're all manual. Oh, super and, high man, like so high like input, very high input, like three or four people watching cars pass um, the, uh, the the timing and scoring loop and just verifying that the car that goes past is the one that matches up with the car that shows up on screen um, is a pain in the neck. 
And uh, it gets more complicated if, you know, some dude puts his transponder in his glove box instead of somewhere down close to the timing loop where, like, the signal intensity is really poor and, you know, or, like, the battery's dead or any number of things. It's All it's the like, things that we see in time attacks. Yeah. It's just a really... Um, uh, it's like a complicated process that I think people don't think about at all. To do it well, yeah, you have to be able to see the track. You have to... Like, there's a bunch of requirements. And right now, <laughs> it's difficult at NCM. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, k- kudos to them. Like... Uh, their, their safety team was great. Uh, the, like the track is obviously it's stellar facility, like track wise. Um, they're always great to work with. Um, man, I love Busby. Yeah. Like the vibe there is like people, it's a difficult track, but people really seem to like it. Uh, and I think mid April is a great time to be there. So agreed. Yeah, not a, not a bad place to be at that time of year. I would like to continue doing that event. I mean, sure. like, uh, as much as I love Mid-Ohio, that uh, those first few years when we were uh, beginning of April at Mid-Ohio was just not the time to be there. Um, no, I would take no. Bowling Green, Kentucky over, you know, Mansfield or Marshfield. Dude, or it was it was amazing. It was 60 at night, 7 during the day. Like, man, that is a prime weekend. Yeah, prime weekend. Sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, w- I would do that event again anytime. Like, if, if you could pick one, that's like one of my top five for sure so far. So, so uh, yeah. I was thinking about it having having watched the Miami Grand Prix that was on yesterday. Um, I only watched it through the lens of Gary Cummings' cell phone, who was running a forklift at one of the corners for the safety. <laughs> of course, he was. So I, but I have not even. I don't even know who won. But uh, Gary sent me a bunch of pictures of F one cars passing him while he sat on like a heister. That's <laughs> so, ridiculous. Um, no, yeah. I was I was wondering about their timing and scoring system because like that's kind of my world, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, something that you you may not know is that um in f1 uh the track is generally broken into three sectors Uh, each sector is um uh, connected to a piece of hardware in the timing and scoring building um where they have like a piece of hardware that reads uh the 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 time difference from the start finish line to that particular sector and will read yeah, that split out. time segment time and yeah. so um certain tracks have sectors that are um wired in and certain tracks just don't and so mm-hmm. as much as i would love to put time attack sectors in every track we go to sometimes practically we just can't yeah um, it's super rare we we actually just bought a decoder that can do more than one loop but even that is like not ideal. Like only tracks like mid Ohio and road America have it. The Um, thing that I saw in, in watching the racing yesterday that I wondered about though, is sector times. I understand how they work. Um, what F one has with whatever their transponders are. I've never seen an F one transponder, um, is the, uh, ability essentially in real time to measure the time delta between car A and car B. That's wild. And I, I, I don't know how it works. I mean, I assume it's, it's like GPS based, but like it seems to refresh <clears throat> like once every second or two. It could be, it could easily be GPS based, but it could also be uh, traditional transponder based. But 
GPS would be the thing that could refresh every second. Well, but if it were traditional transponder-based, you can only measure time delta when you cross a timing loop. Yeah, you have to have a loop every, say, quarter of a track. And if in an F1 car that is 25 seconds. No, it it refreshes more frequently than that. Yeah, then that's definitely like GPS or GPS or like literally bullshit. I mean, <laughs> it's it could be, be one or the other. It could and be. They, they, they could just be, it could just be a pre-programmed, not real thing. So. But yeah, I, I would be interested if someone who listens to the show knows more about how timing and scoring for F1 works. I would be interested to hear about it because I am a nerd. So I talked to Gary about, um, so Gary just knows people everywhere. And I was like, how'd you get that job? He's like, I just know people. And He's said, like, yeah, Kekke Rosberg gave it to me back in 91. Well, he also said to me that there are, there at that event from all around the world, there were over 700 marshals, like doing safety, doing something. Like he had 18 people in his corner. Yeah, I did. I did see a lot of people. Like in the cutouts, they're like, like they staffed the crap standing. out of that place. Yeah, they staffed the snot out of it, and so there were like seven hundred people doing it. And he was just one of them, um, and uh, and I said, "Well, let me know when the next one's happening. Like, give me a job, dude." And he's like, "All right, I'll, I'll hook that up." So like, there's a good possibility within the next twelve months, I'm gonna work in F1 race. That <laughs> so, sounds cool. That could be as interesting as it gets. So uh, I would just love to like peek behind the curtain of some of that stuff too, you know. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, like, they're just racing. Yeah, like, Gary's best friends with the guy that runs IMSA, like, best friends for 35 years. So, we'll see. There's a chance that I might work an F1 race or an IMSA race or something. So That'd be cool. Um, but, yeah, I would, love, I would love to see, but I would love to, like, peek behind the curtain and see who the short little man that runs F1 is, so... Behind the curtain, pulls, he's, he's turning all the valves and there's fire. He pulls all the all the levers. <laughs> so. Well, anyway, well, it's probably late by you. We but did about an hour. It's like our longest show in a while. Yeah, so. for sure. And uh, this started out uh, <clears throat> intended to be a Patreon show, but of course you stole from the patrons. So, uh, patrons, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Where's our content?" You just uh, it'll, send Adam it'll be a and be a couple of days, and I'm trying to convince Abe that we're stealing your money. Uh, although you send him like a T-shirt every six weeks now. I so. did, and I'm like running out of good things to do. Um, well, so yeah. if if you support the show on Patreon and you've got an idea for something that you want, just let me know because I'm all ears. We, we also, um, yeah, we've uh, Patreons had like the Patreon listeners have. They've obviously bought some tech infrastructure gear for us, but we also probably wouldn't keep existing if it wasn't for something like, oh, we have money to send Abe Dakota. He can make us a bunch of shows right now. And then yeah. we'll pick this thing back up early May. <laughs> so, no, that's the thing. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're probably keeping us afloat, which is pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, we're like eight or nine years into this thing now. So yeah, This is episode uh, 461, I think. That's all? I thought we were 500 now. Not yet. Man. Uh, so I think I have a, fir- I have a hard out at, uh, 1000. So you got me for a while. <laughs> yeah. At the rate we're we'll going. See, we'll see if I have anything to talk about by episode 500. Well, I, I think we're going to be talking a lot about racing, uh, in the next episodes. So, well, the big, the big takeaway here is Adam has a race car. 
and it's not a piece of shit, and it's also not his Sunday Cup car, which is technically also a race car. So yeah. I'm really, really, dude, I can't even express like how relieved I was after the first session when I was like, oh my gosh, it's like it didn't even break. <laughs> it was so good, dude. Like I've had a long, hard four years with that car since yeah, it's been sure. rebuilt. So real stoked. And uh, I probably will race at TDP, but I don't even know when the next time I'll race after that is maybe in Lime Rock. Yeah. So. I'm, uh, this will be like the first year in a while that I'm not bringing a car. I'm pretty sure. Um, Should probably bring the, bring the fit, dude. Just cruise up in that. Nah, I mean, Ashley and Sloan are coming with, what am I going to do? Oh, that's true. Yeah, you got the fan. So. Just drag that fit out, dude. You got the, uh, you got the dolly. Probably will. I need to uh, check the wiring on the uh, trailer lights, but. Or just come up and work and uh, then go home. So. We'll see. Cool, Driving's man. not that fun. Driving's not that fun. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I realize that like we, we sell a product that is driving. Um, uh, <laughs> Don't we, tell them, but. <laughs> I am um, perhaps more lazy than I once was. And I, I took the Civic to NCM. Um, with zero prep and yeah. um, like zero forethought. I just like threw the tires in the car and I went to the track. Mm-hmm. And then like the thought of changing the tires to put the like the Falcons on, I was like, oh, that's so much work. So I, I did it. And like it, I don't know, it takes 30 minutes or however long it takes, right? It so, took you six minutes while you were fighting with your dad on the cell phone. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> So anyway, like I go out and I do some laps and I let Finch drive and he does some laps and then like they're delaminated. So they're done. And I was like, Oh God, I got to change them back. Send me <laughs> pictures of those tires. I bet you they're definitely not done. Uh, they're done. Yeah. They're, mm, they're I don't separate. think they are. I don't think they are. I mean, I don't have a tire Talk machine. To, so like flipping, they, de- they delaminate about halfway through. So it's fine. Uh, I can see cords on them. Oh yeah. Then they're done. So, so. Yeah, I had I had I flipped the tire, um, I probably would have been much better off and would have gotten much more life out of them. Um, I guess you did a bunch of HPDs with them too. Yeah, so. some. So yeah. Um, that's that's I guess that's a, an advertisement for a tire machine. Yeah, tire machines are best. I'm so glad I have one. <laughs> Dude, having a tire machine is the best. It's it's Especially certainly better than not having a tire day. machine. Dude, I work so many hours. You like, you know how impossible it is to get a discount tire and be like, "Hey, Jim, I know these are used tires, but can you put them on these used shitty wheels for me?" And he's like, "Bitch, I got a camera right over here. It's giving me two hundred dollars to like say hello. <laughs> get out of here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta have your own machine, man. But anyway, all right, go to bed, bud. We'll talk to you soon. All right, see you, buddy. Thanks for listening, yeah, everybody. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Gridlife to say hello. Hello.